Well, I want to continue today talking about Jesus, our healer. We started last week talking about how the deciding factor of whether or not you walk in the blessings of God is really your faith. So I want to continue there. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Galatians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 13 is where we're going to jump off. And we're going to talk about the anointed one and his anointing and what he did for us 2,000 years ago. You know, they figure Jesus came out of the tomb. They have it pinpointed very accurately down to about April 3rd of A.D. 30. So here we are in 2019. We're almost 2,000 years past that. i got to tell you, when Jesus was on that cross, he paid it all. It was finished, which means that Satan's finished in your life. He's already defeated. So we're learning things because, see, he operates as an outlaw. But you have authority over him, and you could keep him out of your life. If he's messing in your life, you can get him out of your life and then keep him out of your life. That's God's will for your life. Amen? Walking in the peace of God. It says here in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 3, Christ hath, that means past tense. This is something he did in the past. So if it's past tense and it's already been done, that means it's done for you right now. We know from study that he did this when he was on the cross. It even mentions it. It says Christ hath redeemed us. You could say it this way. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. Isn't that awesome? The Bible, then it goes on, it says here, and well, let, let me just break this down. He's redeemed us. That means to be redeemed means you were bought out and ransomed out of one place and you were put in to another place. This already happened. We know from Colossians that you were taken out of the delegated influence of darkness, the kingdom of darkness. You were removed from that and put in to the kingdom of God's dear son. Well, to do that, you couldn't do that until you were born again, born from above, until you literally were made brand new. Okay? So it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law, you could say it this way, he's redeemed us from the curse or from the punishment of breaking God's law. There was, a, there was a punishment, a curse that would come upon people because they were breaking God's law. Well, we know in the Old Testament, you can see it. It's Apollyon, Satan, the destroyer. He comes to steal kill and destroy. And the curse, it says the curse causeless would not come. So there was a reason for it to come. But Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law. Isn't that amazing? So you got to be careful when you read Malachi and you read that, hey, bring all your tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. Well, we see that's a great principle. That's how God funds his church. Great. 
But he talked to the people in the Old Testament in Malachi saying, listen, because you're not honoring me with the first fruits, you're cursed with a curse. So what we do is we read that as a New Testament believer and you're sitting here today going, you know, I didn't honor God, I don't tithe and I don't give offerings. Am I cursed with the curse of the law? Well, are you born again? Because if you are, you have, that has no legal right in your life. You've been redeemed from the curse, right? So why don't we get the curse thing out? Well, pastor, what are you saying? If I don't tithe, am I cursed with the curse? No, you're a child of God. Boy, that's rocking some people's world right now. I could feel that. Whoa, what? Oh, now, you're not going to increase because you're in the kingdom of God. There's only one way to increase, by sowing, right? The, the blessing of Abraham, in order for it to really, those windows of heaven being opened upon you so the blessing could overtake you, well, that can only happen as you actually obey the word, you know, and do what he says. But man, realize this, that this curse of the law has no right in your life. But you can say, but now wait a minute, I've got sickness, disease, poverty, lack, I've got some of this stuff in my life. Satan operates as an outlaw. He's not playing by the rules, and he hopes that you keep looking at natural things so that you never learn the rules. But I got news for you, the curse has no place in your life. If you're sick today, it has no place. It has no legal right. If you're in lack today, it has no legal right. Isn't that good news? I'm just going to let you think about that and leave you hanging on that one. It says, We've, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. See, this isn't just something that God decided to give you. No, no, he couldn't just decide. He had to literally, somebody had to, be, had to pay. So he decided to come out of heaven, take upon himself a physical body, and be made a curse for you. Because we were cursed. He did it, being made a curse for us, for it is written. And now he's going to quote Deuteronomy 21, 23. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Verse 14 that, or we could say it in English, so that he was made a curse to redeem us from the curse, so that the blessing, notice it doesn't even say blessings, the blessing, which has many, many parts, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So now... It says here that we might receive, notice God has given this to everyone. It's not a matter of, of God saving some and not others. No, 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 no. Whether you're saved, whether you're born again is absolutely all up to you. Because God says, listen, it's my will that everybody be saved. So this is why it says it this way, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, or the promise of the Holy Spirit. What is that? Through faith. Well, we know that is salvation. So God sent His Son Jesus to be made a curse for us 
so that he can do something. He had to remove something so that he can do something. So he removed us from the curse of the law so that we can accept Christ. So if you're sitting here today, here's the gospel. Right now, because of what Jesus did, he was made a curse for you. If you don't know God today, if you've never said, Jesus, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior, if you've never been made new, if you've never been born again, here's your message, right from God. And the message is this, I beg you to know this, that your sin has been paid for in the body of Jesus on the cross. He, he was made a curse. He redeemed you from spiritual death. The curse of the law was threefold. Spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. He redeemed you. So right now, God has a legal right to reveal himself to everyone. Somebody who's a mass murderer sitting on death row, guess what? God's not holding any one of his sins against him. Right. Why? Because that was already paid for. Yes. And this is the sad thing. If a person lives their life, this short little speck of eternity on this earth, and wants to live for themselves, which is a really a lie because nobody lives for themselves. Well, I don't want to accept Christ because I, I, I want to live my own life. Well, you're not. You're just blind. You're completely under the control of Satan. And when you die, you be, God won't send you to be with him. You're identified with him, so this is a spiritual law. You will go be with him for eternity. You'll, you'll be in hell, in the center of the earth, until after the millennial reign of Christ, and then you'll be brought out of hell and you'll stand before God. And he will open books and you will be judged for every sin that you committed that was already paid for. But you, see, man has to choose. Because God won't choose, he can't choose for you. As a matter of fact, he's already chosen you. The Bible says we were all chosen. So this is why the Bible says things like this. Because we create these things because of spiritual death. We'll create, well, I'm, I'm an agnostic. Which means, you know, I know there's a God, but I just, I, I just don't know who he is. So that's just, that's a facade. Because what, what an agnostic is really saying, because I don't really know who God is, I could just, I'm okay, I could just live for myself. And you're blind. And then you can even go deeper in this, and, and you could be a fool, a complete fool. The fool has said in his heart, the word of God says, that there is no God. See, I'm an atheist. There's no God, so I don't have to serve any God. In other words, I could just live for myself. It's, you can believe anything you want to. I've seen people, I, listen, I grew up in Southern California. Wow. People believe some crazy stuff. Right? In the 80s, I remember working out with a couple guys that had metal, metal pyramids on their head. Pyramid power. And they were dissing on me as a trainer. They're like, no, don't, you know, you're putting me through this workout, but don't give me lightweight because I got this pyramid on my head. So, you know, being 19, eight, well, 18, I think at the time, 
and a little bit of an attitude. I'm like, okay. So I, I went to this universal weight machine and I put 225 pounds because the one guy who was really kind of messing with me was probably 5'8", you know, 135, 140 pounds, 12 inch arms. So I put 225 pounds on there and I got down and you know, I, I just, I make it look easy. I'm just like, so what you wanna do is you just wanna do this. And then I got up and he's like, okay, yeah, that'll be no problem. He adjusts his little pyramid. And he goes, mm. and I'm like, is everything okay? And he's like, he goes, there must be something wrong. I'm like, well, let me see. Maybe I messed it up. I'm sorry. So I get down. I'm like, no, I think it's, I think it's, you know, maybe you want me to lessen some weight? So he goes, yeah, maybe just a little bit. So of course I take one less plate, but he believes that this metal ridiculous looking pyramid on his head is going to give him power. You can believe anything if you choose to. So if you don't know God today, choose him. He loves you. And I'll tell you to open up. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 29 says, just to make everything clear, if you be Christ's, how many of you are Christ's? Have you accepted Christ? Then you're his. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is what Jesus did for you. So the curse of the law, to find out what the curse of the law is, we must go back to the book of the law. Right? We got to go back and actually look at it. So we look at it, okay, the law as spoken of in the New Testament, either refers to the Ten Commandments or what we call the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. Well, if you look at the Ten Commandments, there is nothing in the Ten Commandments about the curse of the law. Therefore, you have to go look only one other place, the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible. And when you go in there, you find out, especially in Deuteronomy, it lays out the curse of the law very clearly. The curse or the punishment that would come on people for breaking God's law. Now, God's not bringing it. As a matter of fact, they're bringing it because they chose to break the law. And Satan's already in the earth. He's a killer. So he's looking for ways to come in. Right? So the curse... It's threefold. If you study it right there, it's poverty, lack, right? Poverty and lack, sickness, disease, and spiritual death. See, people don't go to hell because they're bad. That's right. They don't even go to hell because they've committed sin. We got to go deeper than that. You, we, I, we don't go to heaven because we're good and because we haven't sinned. And every one of us said, thank God, right? I mean, maybe some of us have been okay today so far because it's only about 11 o'clock, right? But you don't go to hell and be lost and separated from God for eternity. You don't go there because of your behavior. You don't go to heaven because of your behavior. You go there because of your nature, that, so we got to get that right. 
And then, then people will come up with crazy things thinking, yeah, I'm just, I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell where all my friends are. So we just party. You know, that, I don't even know. I mean, I've done some stupid things in my life, but that's stupid, right? And, and, and why is it? But I understand the stupidity because how many of you didn't know this stuff until the Holy Spirit revealed it to us? So like if you don't know God today, guess what's happening? The Holy Spirit is stirring your heart. He's, 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 he's talking to you. And he's not saying, listen, you sinner, you better turn or burn. No, he doesn't do that. It's the goodness of God that leads people to repent, to change their minds, right? I mean, how many of you have changed your mind? I'm so glad, and it was his goodness. The reality of the fact that God loves me. So today, God's not mad at anybody. What would he be mad at them about? All of their sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. Now, does, does what's going on in the world please God? No. But he's long-suffering. It's amazing how long-suffering he is. And I know, uh, starting with me, I'm saying thank you. Because I'm standing here today as a result of the reality that he never, ever gave up on me. So judge somebody else? Are you kidding me? No, 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 no can totally relate. To be honest with you, I could relate to a sinner, somebody spiritually dead, a lot more than they can because I've meditated on the word and I know what it is. Man, back when I was one, I had no clue. Right? So this is a huge scripture. The curse would come on everyone because we've all sinned. So how did we all sin? So Romans chapter 3, now what am I talking about right now? Jesus is your healer. Romans chapter 3 in verse 23, this great chapter 3 of Romans, which gives us some incredible instruction in righteousness, which we have flipped in the church, and we think it's telling us about sin, but really it's teaching us about righteousness. But it says this in verse 23, it says, For all have sinned. It's the Greek word hamartano. It's, an, it's, it's literally a verb. It's talking about the action of sin. And we've all come short of the glory of God. So that's, that's what the Bible says. We've all done it. So let's go into this a little more. What, explain that. I'm glad you asked. So if you go to Romans 5, in verse 12, it tells us how this all happened. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's, as by one man, Adam, talking about Adam, sin. Wherefore, as by one man, sin. Notice the way it's the way the commas are. You would think it would say, wherefore, as by one man's sin. No, no. Wherefore, as by one. Wherefore, as by one man. Who's that man? Adam. Adam. Sin entered into the world. Hamartia is the Greek word. This is a noun. So sin entered 
this noun. It's not a verb. It's not the action of sin. This is talking about sin. Entered into the world, right? And then it says, and death by sin. In other words, and then death entered the world by sin. So sin had to come in first. Sin opened the door for death, but really, who really opened the door? Adam. Does that, does that make sense? So, so Adam opens the door, sin comes in, now death is able to come in. It comes in by sin. Again, a noun, hamartia. So death, we know what we're talking about here, spiritual death passed on all men. We can say, it says death, but did you notice when Adam sinned, he didn't die? Outwardly, right? God told him, Adam, don't eat of this tree because in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's a little vague in Genesis. In the Hebrew language, in the ancient Hebrew, it says, Adam, don't eat of this tree for in the day that you eat of it, in dying, you shall die. Which makes total sense. Adam, when he ate that sin, he, or when he ate that fruit, he, he literally, see, what is sin? It literally means to miss the mark. What is the mark? God. He's life. Anything that's not him is death. So, so sin is just missing the mark. So when Adam chose to do something that God told him not to do, he literally, the moment he ate it, he died spiritually. Now, it's amazing. It took over 900 years because of that perfect body that God had made. It took over 900 years for spiritual death to kill his body, but it eventually happened. Now, God's changed that because of the evil of man. How would you like the most evil dude in the world to live 900 and some years? No, God says, I'm going to put some parameters on it. It's 120 years. They still can't figure out why we don't live for 120 years because we, we ourselves replenish themselves. So, so, but 120 years is man's time now. But he died spiritually, which brought physical death. See, this is why you never saw physical sickness and disease up until sin, Adam opened the door, sin comes in, and then spiritual death. So literally now, sickness and disease, it's a result of sin and death coming into the world. And you saw when Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? The first thing they did is they went and see what happened is the light went out. They were clothed with the glory of God. All of a sudden, Adam... Eve takes of the fruit and she eats it and her light goes out. She dies spiritually. So she's no longer clothed in the glory of God. I believe what Adam did is what we did, what we do all the time. We choose what people want us to do or what we want over God. So Adam, who loved Eve, looked at her and went, oh my gosh, we're, she's different than me now. And so he took and he ate, and then his light went out. He died spiritually. And all of a sudden, the first thing they knew is they were naked. In other words, they knew 
that they, they, they knew that there was something about them they had to cover up. In the same way, what do men do to cover up? Men and women, we're always trying to cover up. Our, our, that's a result of spiritual death. Well, 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 what about the Christian who's always trying to cover stuff up? The secret sin. Well, it's because they're living out of their flesh. Okay, so, so it's kind of the same thing, except for a Christian, his, his inner, his spirit man, the real him, is going to give him problems in that area. Right? So they try to cover themselves, so they're going to make fig leaves. You know where Jesus cursed the fig tree? You know in rabbinical teaching, you know what that was called? In the area where those fig trees were, it was called the place of the Adams. The first Adams family. It wasn't a sitcom back then. <laughs> Little pastoral humor, right? Whatever, right? Keeps you awake, gets the blood flowing, it's cool. It's a... But so, so the place of the Adams, I believe one of the reasons why Jesus cursed the fig tree, first of all, he never allowed lack in his life, but also he was sitting here saying, no, 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 I'm here now. Man's sin will never be covered again. So I'm cursing this fig tree. You're not covering sin. I've come to eradicate it. Sin's been eradicated in your life. And you're free. For all, it says, and so death passed upon all men. In other words, all of us sinned because of our identification with Adam. All sinned in Adam, for that all have sinned. This last word, sin, here in Romans 5.12, again, hamartano, the verb, the action of sin. See, why does a person sin? Because they're spiritually dead. So this is why it's not, this, it's not the fact that a person sinned that sends them to hell. No, the reason why they're sinning is because they're spiritually dead. That's why Romans tells us as Christians, Sin will not have dominion over you because you were crucified with Christ. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised to a brand new life. And now you're seated with him in heavenly places. And now sin will not dominate you anymore. Oh, there's a place in God for us. So then if you go to Romans 5.19, it says this. For as by one man's disobedience, many... Now, what's the one man's disobedience? Adam. Many were made sinners. Now, this word, I'll try to say it right, hamartolos. They're all from the same root, but this is an adjective. It says, for us, the, uh, through Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners, or many were made sinful. It's an ad adjective. So by the obedience of one, who's that talking about? Jesus, many shall be made righteous. You don't have a robe of righteousness. When you get saved, you're not, giving a, you're not given a robe of righteousness. You are made. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us you're made the very righteousness of God in Christ. So we've got to be in Christ. Well, what does it mean to be in Christ? Is it your behavior? No. It's the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's the fact that you're born again. You're in Christ. So now I'm not, I don't have a robe of righteousness that I could take off. No, no, no. I am made the very righteousness of God. Are you kidding me? 
your mind just goes, because God is righteous. Do you know God is not any more righteous than you? That's what the Bible says. And Paul's whole Pauline epistle is when you get a revelation of how good it is, how good he is, how much he loves you, that while you were lost and dead in your trespasses and sins, while you're beaten up with sickness, disease, spiritual death, lack, poverty, Jesus paid all of it. And now, if you'll just simply present your body a living sacrifice and renew your mind with the word of God, who you are on the inside will shine on the outside and it won't bring you glory. Why? Because what shines on the outside is the glory of God. Because that's what comes out of you. It, and it, it doesn't make you anything. To be honest with you, it shows the world how good God is. So this is big. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 this is why it says this. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin, again, hamartia, that's a noun. The wages of sin is death. When you go to work, you get wages. You, don't you expect when you go to work every week or every two weeks, some people every month, they get a paycheck, Right? I, I, I really believe I get paid as, as a pastor from, from Faith Family Church. I've never seen it because my wife handles all the finances. But we live in a house. We ate this morning. You know, I mean, it's, it's, so it's a good thing. But the wages, you get wages. Well, the wages, of si the wages of sin, this noun, this spiritual death, is death. Very simple, isn't it? But the gift of God, remember it's a gift, you can't earn it. That's right. So stop trying to earn it. You can't do anything within yourself to be accepted by God because you're already accepted. You'll never be closer to him than the day you got born again. But yeah, but pastor, I just blew it, I feel so. Yeah, but see, your feelings are never supposed to guide you. As a matter of fact, you got to tell them and beat them and tell them, no, I'm going to feel righteous. Right? Boy, Satan doesn't want you to know that. But the gift of God is eternal life, and it comes to us through Jesus Christ, or through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, Jesus Christ has redeemed us out of the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham would come on us as saved children of God. Does that, does that make sense? That, aren't you getting some clarity on this? This is very important that you know this so that all of a sudden the light goes on and goes, you know what, I'm not putting up with that pain in my knee. I'm not putting up with this sinus infection thing. See, we're giving you, we're giving you your inoculation today. The divine flu shot. It kills all sickness and disease, right? So how can you take advantage of being redeemed from the curse of sickness unless you know about it? So this is why we're teaching. We teach the word of God to give you something else to govern your life by. Don't govern your life by how you feel, what you see, the 9,000 medical commercials on TV. 
Don't govern your life by the fact that five generations above you all died of the same sickness and disease. Listen, your genealogy changed when you got born again. Now it's God who has no sickness, no disease, and then there's you. Right? You cannot take advantage of something that you don't know about. Many believers, here we go, now we're going to talk about this. Many believers believe that if a spiritual blessing belongs to them, that it will happen automatically. Well, if God wants me healed, then I would just be healed. Well, if you could take that, because it all works the same. So if God wants you saved... Would you be saved? Do you know there's been thousands of people since we started church an hour and 26 minutes ago. Thousands of people have departed from this planet and will spend eternity lost. They're in hell right now. And it was never God's will. The Bible says that God's will is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Because see, these spiritual things, they don't happen automatically. Right? It doesn't work. Think about this. It doesn't work this way in, na- in the natural world, does it? You've heard me use this example before. Do you know every one of us in America have a right to vote? But you still had to either get the absentee ballot and vote or go and vote. It didn't just happen automatically for you, did it? Could you imagine The speed limit is 55 miles an hour. Could you imagine if that just happened automatically? And you're running late, and you know, you're going somewhere, and Pastor Edwin and Lisa are following you because you're their pastor, and they follow you, and and they're like, man, you know, Lisa's like, pastor's foot must be really heavy. (laughs) But could you imagine if all of a sudden I'm driving down the road, I'm like, man, I want to go 56, and I couldn't. Well, because no, because the law says... 55 is it, so it just happens automatically. No, these natural things don't just happen automatically, do they? Neither do spiritual things. Many believers are literally taught from their pulpit that, listen, you pray. If you have sickness, go to God because he does heal some and not others. Now, they're not quoting scripture because there is none. And they're saying, and you just pray, Father, heal me, please, if it be your will. Right? And, and, then, and then they will tell them, if it's God's will that you're healed, then your body will just amend. And if it's not, you know, he still loves you, which sounds a little weird. Right? But it's just your cross to bear. And you know, eventually, in eternity, you'll be healed. Right? So we have people that are suffering, thinking that I remember one guy telling me how, how he was so thankful for prostate cancer because it's caused him to grow closer to the Lord. Well, listen, I'm glad that you've grown closer to the Lord, but God did not put prostate cancer on you to draw you. The Bible says the goodness of God will draw you. So now I know I'm preaching this to the choir But here's the deal, guys. You're going to deal with people all day that don't believe this, what you believe. And and let me go one step further. 
I'm preaching it so that you will, this belief will get so big in you to where you see it that you'll actually let it govern your life. Because I'm telling you, when you receive healing, when you receive your healing that Jesus provided for you, you will run into, for the rest of your time on this earth, people that have the same situation. That's in Galatians how it says the harvest of a man's life depends entirely upon the seeds that he sows. That's the, it, see, the apple tree, the fruit, that apple's not for the tree. Have you ever noticed that? The fruit of our lives is for others. So when, when you receive your healing, when you receive debt cancellation, when you get to the point to where you have no debt in your life and you could say, man, God did this and God did that and God did this, you'll be, you'll be able to give that fruit away to people. When you were sexually abused as a kid and then God came into your life and he healed that in such a way that there's no scar, man, God will lead you to people that have been sexually abused so you can give them your freedom. See, this is why Satan loves it when the church is weak and sick and full of doubt. But those days are over. God's word is true. Healing belongs to us. However, if we do not know about it or refuse to act on it, then we will not walk in it. And Satan will be able to rob us from the blessing. See, in John 10, 10, right? It says the thief comes, but for to, let's, let's read it right, steal and to kill and to destroy. Did you notice that? It's not just, we, we quote it, the Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, slow down. It's kind of like the seed time and harvest. No, no, it's seed. It's time. Bummer. Harvest. Yay, right? But he comes to steal. He comes to steal the word of God from you so that he can kill and destroy things in your life. Got to steal the word first, because if he doesn't steal the word, he can't have, he, he'll never be able to take anything away from you, right? So this is huge. In other words, like we said last week, it's not a matter of what God can do. It is 100% a matter of what you can believe. We cannot leave up to God what he's left up to us. It's our job to believe and receive and then act on it. The how it happens and comes to pass is not our deal. Forget about it. If you'll notice, that's what Satan will always ask you. How is this going to work out? Just tell him, you know what? Go ask him. Because guess what? He won't want to go ask him. He's still got a lump on his head the last time that he talked to God. Right? He's still walking around. He's probably dizzy walking around on the earth because he fell to the earth as lightning. You cannot make God's responsibility what he has made your responsibility. This is, this is a huge thing. Your faith is the determining factor in your healing, not what you need. That's not the determining factor. Not what's good, not what's fair. 
right? You think, well, what, is God, does he not care? No, 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 he cares so much that 2,000 years ago he took care of all that. That's right, paid the bill. He paid it, it's done. God doesn't have to come and heal your body now. Jesus himself already bore your sickness and your disease. Well, how is that possible? That was 2,000 years ago. Because all sickness and disease has a spiritual root. Oh, they could find a cure for cancer, but there's going to be something else. Literally, because it's, it's, it, Jesus called sickness and disease satanic oppression. And, and Isaiah 54 says, in righteousness you'll be far from oppression. So, so get that, let that excite you. If you need healing in your body today, it is already yours. And the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to build that revelation in you and, and help you to lay hold of it. And I'm telling you, when you're laying hold of it, here we go with the bottle again. So if this is my healing, the Holy Spirit will lead me. And, and see, when I'm laying, actually, sweetie, why don't you come here? I want to use you, help me with this as an example. So I want you to act like you're laying hold. Come on over here. And you got to turn this way and get really up close and personal. Excuse us, but this is really fun. So now, so this is, say I'm God, right? Yep. And so now she's deciding to lay hold of it. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm going to help her. And so when the enemy tries to get her to let go, if she'll meditate on the word, my hand will help her. Does that make sense? Yeah. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. So this is the way it works. He'll help you. And, and you could sit here and go, but yeah, but I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, but Jesus paid for that too. It's all gone. Go talk to God about it. He'll be like, well, you know, I guess I could look at the books. And he opens the book and that's what it looks like. It's just, it's, it's all blank. It's like, no, 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 no. But Satan's over there. He's saying, but he's accusing you and accusing you. He's, he's a, an accuser of the brethren. We get this idea that he stands before the throne of God and accuses you. Listen, he's not in heaven. He'll never be in heaven again. He's accusing you. You no good. You think you could be healed? Are you kidding me? I know what you thought. I know what you've done. Do you know what the Bible says about you? In Christ, you are, it literally says this, unaccusable. That's right. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hello. I'm unaccusable. If you want to talk about anything related to sin, I, you know, Satan, you got to go talk to Jesus because I'm unaccusable. That's right. You paid it You might have some facts that have been done away with, but I have the truth. And the truth of the matter is, I'm forgiven. I've been cleansed. Anything that could bring death in my life has been removed. Believe that. It's truth. We do not receive from God according to what we need. We don't receive from God according to what we want, what's good, what's fair. We receive from God based on our faith. This is so important. I literally just got to where we ended last week. Wow. How in the world? I was so excited. I had toned this down to 10 pages of notes. Man. You know, David said this in Psalm 27. He said, I would have fainted unless 
I had, look at what he said, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have fainted, not unless I would have seen it. No, unless I would have believed to see. Faith will energize you. So important. Let's, let's read about another lady. I want another story about this. This is the woman with the issue of blood. So turn to Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. And I just want to read this story to you. Just as we, we're kind of coming down, we're getting ready to close. Praise God. Everybody else did some things, so the service went a little longer, so it's not my fault. So, um, I, I, you know, we'll just say it's, it's, it's Mark's fault. And, uh, you know, and that's okay. But we'll forgive him. We will, in Jesus' name. We'll never stop messing with him, but we will forgive him. All right, praise God. Praise God. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It says, And a certain woman, so this is a real woman, right? Everybody knew this woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years. So she had blood that was hemorrhaging for 12 years. It was called a plague. It's the Greek word mastigos. A plague is something, we get that word mastigos, what would happen is when they would torture somebody. This is where the Greek word came from. They would, they would grab an individual, they would take him and beat him to the point of death, then they would take him, put him in a hospital room, mend his wounds, get him all better, and the minute he got better, they'd grab him, drag him out, and beat him to the point of death again. And then they would take him back and clean up his wounds and let him all heal up. And about the time he got healed up, they'd take him again. That's what a plague is. This is what this lady had for 12 years. She spent everything that she had. She went to every doctor, every specialist. She spent all her money, was not getting better, was getting worse. Have you, ever, have you ever had any kind of a plague? So all of a sudden, you hear about this new vitamin. You start taking it, and you start feeling better, and, this, and it gets better, and then all of a sudden, you wake up one day, and wham, it's bad again, right? If any ladies here have ever had an issue of blood, that would just wipe you out because, you know, when your blood's hemorrhaging, it just wipes you out. You're weak. And then maybe it would get better for a little while. You'd feel better. And then right when you think it's maybe getting better, boom. That's what this lady was dealing with for 12 years. It says, and had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard of Jesus. What did she hear? When Messiah would come, he would come with healing in his wings. That his prayer shawl that, that the Messiah would wear, the little tassels were considered, they would come off the, the prayer shawl. So when a, when a, I wish I should have brought my prayer shawl out here. I don't pray with it. I'm a New Testament believer. That's not my secret place, right? Um, but but when, a, when a rabbi would take his prayer shawl off his head when he wasn't praying, from the back, it would look like wings. And, and it would have little tassels coming off of it. And, and it says in the Word of God that, that when Messiah comes, he'd have healing in his wings. So that's why she's not trying to touch the hem of his garment. She's not on her hands and knees. No, no. She's trying to get to his back area and touch that one of those tassels. She, she had no doubt had heard that Jesus went about preaching, teaching, and healing, Right? She had heard that multitudes were healed by him. So it says when she had heard of Jesus, isn't that amazing? She came in the press behind. So it wasn't enough for her to just hear. So you're sitting here this morning, you're hearing. 
But it's not enough to just hear. You have to act on it. What do you do? You know, I can't answer that for you. I could, I could tell you many times it's how you speak. But, but how you act it out is the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. He'll tell you what to do. You might get a flu virus, and, and, or you might just be feeling really bad, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, get your butt out of bed and go to work. And you trust me. And you're walking around, your head feels like it's going to explode. Father, I thank you that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And all of a sudden it breaks by about noon or one o'clock. Had you went and laid down when he told you to get up, you'd be sick for four days. Other times you wake up and you're feeling horrible and you're thinking, but you know what? The last time I went up and I just toughed it out. No, be careful because the Holy Spirit might be saying, go lay your butt down in bed, call in sick. Right now, don't call and say you're sick. Call and just say, hey, I've got some symptoms going on in my body. I'm not feeling well, so I can't come to work today. And then you lay in bed resting. Father, I thank you that I'm healed. I thank you that by your stripes it is written. Is written. And, and, and you'll come out of it that way. See, how do you act? The Holy Spirit has to lead and guide you. But you believe you receive it, and the Bible says you'll have it. Right? So now... She came in the press behind, so she acted. She got out of the bed, and she literally, she's in a crowd. Have you ever been in another country? You, you should go to Israel. In Jerusalem, the roads are really skinny. And, and people, they live in this all the time, so they're very aggressive. They're going somewhere, and, and you're going to get out of their way. And if it's an Orthodox Jew rabbi, I'm at the pinnacle, you're a dog, get out of my way. I mean, I'd see him, man. Here they come. Here comes the tassels and the black hat. And I just, I'm like, you know, I'm a big guy. I could take that guy out. And I'm just like, yes, sir, go ahead. Because, you know, he's running over me, right? So, so this is what she's dealing with. But she's going... Okay, there's Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, that pronounced me unclean. So if I'm out in public, I could be stoned to death and killed. And we know in Israel, it, you don't have to go anywhere to be stoned. It, there's stones everywhere, right? Now, some of you guys from the 80s are thinking a different stone. But we're talking, <laughs> we're talking stoned, okay? So, but we won't go there. So just, just smile and you've been redeemed, right? So... Uh, so you might still love chips, but you still have been redeemed. So anyway, she's pressing through. The guy standing next to Jesus could pronounce her, what are you doing here? And have her stoned. So she's putting her life on the line. She's weak because she has an issue of blood. It doesn't feel good, but she's going, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. Notice you see this all the time. It's fervency. It's hunger. I'm not Jesus, literally. I, you know, I know two scriptures. I really haven't got any revelation, but I don't have time for that because you're not really first in my life, but just heal my body so I could go do my thing. That never works. You have to lay hold of it, right? So she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Why did she do that? For she said... It, one translation says, for she continually said within herself, if I may touch but his clothes, she didn't even say I'd be healed. She says, I shall be whole. Now remember, this is a lady that not only was she sick and getting worse, 
but all her money's gone. She has nothing. Who knows? Maybe she was even homeless. We don't know. But she lost everything. She was coming after wholeness. When she, but notice this. When she heard something, she did something. Okay? Verse 29. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice, when she heard something, she did something. Notice, she didn't feel something until she said something. You're not going to get your answer and walk in it without speaking it. So these are principles, right? Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing that virtue or power had gone out of him, notice she didn't even ask him to heal her. She just went and took her healing. What? Wait a minute. This is, God is sovereign, and he heals who he wants to heal. Oh, got to tear this story out. Right? Because this, God heals who he wants to, well, if you put it in the context, that is true, and he's provided healing for everybody, then okay, that would work, because I have scripture for that. But if you, if you say everybody but one human being in all of human history, sorry, can't, there's no scripture for that. Right? So he said, he said, who touched my clothes? Now he's in a crowd and a lot of people are touching him, hoping for something to happen. But she touched him in faith. She said, if I could just touch him, I'll be whole. I'm not, I might be whole. I shall be whole. Now think about this. She's not even born again. She's just an Old Testament daughter of Abraham. You're a child of God. You have literally been given a measure of the faith of God. You have a Bible where you could you can get on our app and hear you could have me in your head all day long telling you about how healed you are. And if you don't like that, you can have Copeland, Hagen, Keith Moore, you could just go Bill Winston, you could go TDJ, you go down the line and hear over and over and over how healed God has provided he or how God has provided healing for you we have we have a lot more of a head start than this lady had but she took a healing his disciples said to Jesus you see the multitude thronging you thronging means they were all grabbing on him right and you're saying who touched me and he looked around about so no doubt he got a word of knowledge that it was a woman so it says he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. First of all, he's like, who touched me? But it went from who to, he's turning around looking, and he's like, okay, there, it's a lady. He's looking for the lady that grabbed her healing from him. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her. See, she's like, he's looking for me. Who knows what she was believing Maybe they'll still stone me before they, they maybe they, what if they don't believe him? Or, or maybe, maybe, oh my gosh, I took this healing, maybe he'll want to take it back. 
right? Whatever it is. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth, like ladies do, right? And he said unto her, I mean, you could imagine, you know, I woke up one day 12 years ago. J. Iris is going, can you hurry up? My daughter, right? And he said to her, daughter, she was a daughter of Abraham, look at what he said, my power, because I am Jesus, the Son of God, caused this to happen, so worship me. No, he didn't say that, did he? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. So now, look at right after that. So now go in peace. See, God wants you to walk in his peace. Part of that is he wants your body well. Amen? Know that today. He's provided healing for you. Man, if you need healing in your body, all you do is reach out and take it. Lord Jesus, I just believe I receive my healing from you right now. I thank you that according to your word, you bore my sickness, carried my pain. You redeemed me from the curse of sickness. So today I receive that. I thank you. I take it now. It's mine. I believe I'm healed. And what happens when you do that? You're doing that outwardly, but what happens is now the healing power of God comes out of your spirit and it goes right and breaks the root of that sickness or disease no matter what it is and it will start working itself out. The, the predominant Greek word for the healing ministry of Jesus, when, it, when, you look at, when you look at all of the healing that took place in his ministry, is the Greek word called iaomai. It means to progressively doctor or cure. Many were healed as they went. And see, this is, this, you just, you don't worry about that. You know God, not only, he won't lie, he can't lie. Right? So you just believe you receive it. 